Thank you. I'll take that. Amen? Well, I can tell you some Andy Squire stories if y'all want to hear them. <laughs> I've got many stories on that man, but uh, I won't tell you some of them. It might not look, you might not want him to come back then if you knew what I knew. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, um, Becky and I love Andy and his family dearly, and we have nothing but great memories of when he led worship here, except for maybe a couple of times, but <laughs> no, we have great memories, and we love and respect Andy, and we respect who he's become in the Lord, and what God is doing in his life, and what God's going to be doing for his, how the Lord's going to be using him in the future, so we're glad to have been a part of that, sincerely say that, and I'm sure we'll get to enjoy more of it as the time moves on, Amen. So, you know, if you've got any issues with Andy, like I used to tell people, this is the one. I would tell people there's a line out the door. Just go get in line back there. <laughs> Andy's a uh, lightning rod, which is a good thing. Amen? We need some lightning rods in this earth to kind of stir the, stir the pot. All righty, Lord help. Mm, I have a little more time than I wanted to have here. I wanted to do just a little bit. That worship was so good, man. That glory thing, boy, that really was touching me. That's, and that's what the earth needs is the glory of the Lord. And, you know, the Lord has promised us uh, as times get darker, right? As the world gets darker, we should arise and shine and let that glory come instead of crawling in our little disappointed holes. Amen. <laughs> So, um, I've been talking to you for, for a couple, two or three weeks probably about uh, some stories out of the King David's life, right? Y'all remember that? Last week I actually talked to you about the tabernacle of David, which to me is a real meaningful, um, it's got a lot of revelation in it. Um, and then I talked to you once, I think, about David's, uh, you know, spiritual warfare. You know, how there's so much we can glean from his life. Uh, to be able to do spiritual warfare in a biblical manner. Um, and then I think I did another message on it, but I can't remember it right now. Maybe you can. But one of the things I wanted to share with you uh, this morning is to really grasp the magnitude of this person uh, because I realized there's a lot of things that God did in my life early on as a believer through uh, King David's life and through hearing uh, teachings on it and through reading about it. Um, and it's really, I've really realized that, that a lot of who God has made me spiritually was formed back in those days. Uh, and and now I feel like God is really wanting to bring some fullness in our lives. That, that you know, it's a lifetime walking with God. God does things in your life sometimes and it seems to, it feels like it kind of goes away. You know what I'm talking about? It feels like that was just a season. But really it was something more profound than we realized that God was doing in our life. And it, and it really is it's what Jesus said, that the, the Word of God goes into us. And 
it can bear a lot of fruit in your life. Uh, but it takes time, just like it takes time when we plant a natural seed. You know, we don't plant an apple tree and tomorrow eat apples. It takes years before we eat apples from a, a, a seed planted in the ground. But one of the things that <clears throat> about David is we. what I want to do is kind of give you the backdrop of his life, which what I believe could really help you in a profound way. Uh, because that's how it happened with me is I discovered some things about David before David was even born that really spoke to my heart in a powerful way. Um, one thing is, is when David, the first time we were introduced to David as a person is in a time of national crisis. That's how David emerged on the scene is the nation of Israel was in shambles. It was a, it was a true disaster. And God, it says in, in 1 Samuel verse chapter 13 that God was looking for a king. He was in search of a king. It says that in 1 Samuel and also it is those very verses are echoed in the New Testament that God was searching for, for a true king. That's a powerful thought when you, when you think about it. That God himself was searching for this person who had this heart that God had ordained and designed to be his king. And so that's what the book of 1 Samuel is really all about. If you read 1 Samuel, it's the theme of the book is in search of a true king. And you'll find uh, that God did a whole lot of stuff in search for this true king. Here's how it starts. Here's how the chapter, and, I, and I'm going to give you this. 1 Samuel is probably at least on the top up there in the top five of my absolute favorite books in the Bible that has spoken to me in my entire Christian. I've always told people that tell me they're struggling to read the Bible. Well, there's a few books you can read. First Samuel will be the first one because it's such an engaging story. And you can and it will draw you in. Here's how it starts is there was a there was a woman who was barren. She couldn't have a baby. And she was being, it was, it was destroying her. It was eating her alive. And, and now I've come to understand that sometimes God allows those, those kind of things in our life, like barrenness. We go through these seasons of being barren. We feel like we're just barren. And it just, just we feel, well, I don't know about you, but I go through times where I feel, I feel nothing. I feel fruitless. I, I feel whatever happened to God, you know, whatever happened to my dreams. And that's where this woman was at. Her name was Hannah. Uh, and chapter one's all about Hannah. And I remember as a young believer hearing these teachings about Hannah that was like so life-giving to me. It was like, this, this is amazing. This is an amazing person, Hannah. She was placed here on this earth by God. Her story is told to us about. By, here's the interesting 
uh, thing in 1 Samuel. Uh, the Bible tells us nothing about David's birth. Isn't that crazy? The only thing it tells us is this. David himself, I was born in sin. <laughs> he tells us. So there's this whole space in David's life that there's no information about except I was born in sin. Oh, yeah, and I killed a lion and I killed a bear, so let me go fight Goliath. That was, that's really all we really know. Isn't it that interesting? But the birth of Samuel, okay, the birth of Samuel, we know much about. Okay, we know a lot about it. Don't you think those kinds of things are placed before us by God to speak to us? Don't you think that God's trying to draw us into something when you begin to read about those kinds of things? You know, here's this guy, here's this woman struggling to have a child, and she finally, the, she's there before the Lord, and there's this, this old man who was a very bad priest called Eli who had these t- two sons that were absolutely, you know, perverts r- ruling the nation. They were perverts. They were, they were homosexuals. If you really study, they were homosexuals. They were, they were abusing women. They were, they were whoremongers. You want to just, just list the things that they were doing that was so destructive. And, their old, and the old man would not, he wouldn't, he wouldn't admonish them. He just let them run rampant. And so here's this woman there praying, and he rebukes her. Why have you come into the house of the Lord drunk? That's what he said to her. And she says, no, my Lord, I am not drunk. But my, and she begins to tell him her the burden of her soul about I'm childless and, and how she really wants a child from the Lord. And he blessed her. This old wicked man, this old sorry guy, he blessed that woman. Okay? And she went home and she became pregnant. And she had this baby. And you know what she did? She said, I'm going to give this baby to the Lord. And he'll serve the Lord all the days of his life. And so when the baby got probably three or four years old is what they think, she took him to this same old guy with these same wicked sons, Eli, and took him to the house of the Lord and gave this baby boy, this little boy that she had prayed earnestly for, gave him to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That's the the beginning of Samuel. I mean, we all knew all these details, but here's something amazing, okay? Oh, well, let me just tell you a couple things about Samuel. This is fascinating to me. It, I hope it is to you. You don't seem fascinated. <laughs> you kind of seem bored, like, what's the point here? There's a big point. There's a big point, okay, that God wants us to get. Samuel was a, he became uh, a judge. He was the last judge of Israel. Okay, I think there were like 15. He was number 15. He was the last one. So he was this transitional guy. And like I said, the whole theme of the book is in search for a king. And he ordained, he ordained, he coronated the first two kings of Israel. The first, well, he anointed one of them. He coronated Saul, who was the first king, the people's choice. And he became Saul's mentor in his early years. And then later he anointed uh, David who became the second king after Saul rejected Samuel. But he also was a, a prophet. Uh, you know what it says about him in First uh, Samuel 3? It says, none of his words fell to the ground. Wow. 
none of his words. That's significant. I, I'm going to tell you, it's more significant than we know. It's very significant. Peter mentioned him in Acts 3 as being the first, I suppose, notable prophet after Moses. Think about that. The first, there was a lot of great men, and you know, you got the book of Joshua, you got all these great men, but he was what the Bible says is the first notable prophet after Moses. So he was really one of the first prophets that arose in Israel. So he was a prophet, he functioned as a priest, and he was the leader over the nation. That's, that's what he was. And this is the great, the crazy thing about him. He is the only ghost in the entire Bible. He's literally, he, he was called back from the dead. He was called back from the dead by a sorcerer, by, you know, at Saul's beckoning because Saul was so desperate. And he, rebuked, he actually rebuked Saul three times, and one of them, his, his ghost actually rebuked him. You know, you know uh, Jesus, uh, people accused Jesus of being a ghost one time when he was walking on the water. We thought it was a ghost. See, the Hebrews didn't have an issue with ghosts. They knew this kind of spiritual world sometimes manifested. I know y'all don't believe all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry you don't. And I really am. Uh, his Samuel means, I bet somebody in this room knows what it means because their name changed. It means name of God or God has heard. Isn't that fascinating? Name of God or God has heard. That's a very powerful name. Um, I just think that's really beautiful. But let me read this to you, okay? Are y'all following this this morning or are y'all just like, oh, Lord, help? This is not as good as the worship, but I'm sorry. In heaven, I may be a worship leader. You never know. Well, so when, when Hannah took the baby to, to give him to the Lord, she had a prayer, a very powerful prophetic prayer. I want to read this verse, First uh, Samuel 2, 1 through 2. It says, Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. Wow. Okay. I rejoice because you rescued me. We sang that this morning. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. How many people remember that song? Early, come on. We sang that song back in the 70s. That was my introduction. That's what I'm saying. That was my introduction to this. As we began to sing this song, they called it Hannah's song, which I had no clue who Hannah was at the time. I just thought it was a cool song. It didn't go exactly like this because we used the King James Version. But it does say this, my mouth is enlarged. Listen to this, y'all. This is a secret. This is a secret of the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies. Listen, because I rejoice in my salvation. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When we begin to rejoice... God gives us an answer. God gives, there's questions, but He gives us an answer. He gives us words that we can begin to speak towards the demonic realm, which we can take authority over, we can push down. But we can't just speak those words because we want to speak those words or because we read them somewhere. We need to really dial in to what the Bible teaches. See, these are little clues that God has given humanity to help them navigate life, help them to deal with the problems we're facing, and begin to speak to those things. It isn't that beautiful. It's powerful. It's beautiful. See, God has all these little things all through the Bible that if we pay attention, if we would ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, He would begin to reveal these things to us. 
I'll tell you what, I was so impacted by that song, I didn't even know how impacted it was. And I don't know why our natural reason was, but we wound up having this baby girl that we named Hannah. And that was really the Lord. Now, we didn't get to keep Hannah. I think Becky shared that with you. Hannah Joy was her name. We didn't get to keep her, which was, was the, we were talking about it this morning. It was the worst thing that ever happened to, in our life on a personal level as we lost this baby, baby girl. And, uh, but you know, the Lord, I think Becky shared this. I'll share it again because it's just as precious to me. The Lord blessed us with a daughter-in-law that had a dream of having a Hannah Joy. And we knew the day she said that to Becky that that's the girl for us. <laughs> that's our girl because she wanted to have a Hannah Joy. And we have a Hannah Joy today. Which, like, oh, I think she's like her sister. Her, her, it wouldn't be her sister. It would be her aunt or something. It would be her aunt, not aunt. I don't know what that is. That's something else. That's something else. That's a wrong thing. But listen to this, y'all. Here, this is important. I'm going to jump down. There's ten verses in this song, but this is what she said. This is powerful. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Guess what? Guess what, y'all? Get this. There was no king in Israel. They had never been a king in Israel when she sang that, when she prayed that. She, there, there, was no, there was no such thing as king anybody when it came to Israel. Yet here's this woman. She had this prophetic thing on her. She saw something. She saw something nobody else was seeing. She saw a king. She saw this king. That's why this book's all about. See, she set the stage the whole stage of the whole book, David's whole life, the Jesus being the root and offspring of David, is all you, it's right here in that one verse. She prophesied it. She declared that God would have a king. Okay, and then the rest of the book is about the search for this king. God was searching for him. Samuel, on behalf of God, was searching for him. They found him, they ordained him. Then Saul began to search for him. The whole rest of the book is about Saul trying to hunt this man down and kill him. Isn't that amazing to you that God would speak something? And here's the, the other beautiful thing about it is God that Samuel, as a little baby boy, three or four years old, knew nothing when his mama prayed this, but somehow God imparted something into him where he had this hunger, he had this passion in him to help God find his king. And he got it from that prayer. That's the power of prophetic impartation. That's the power of a mother praying something from heaven that sinks down into a child. And when that child grows up, he actually lives out her prayer. He actually does her prayer. Am I talking to anybody in this room this morning? See, this is how God operates. This is how God operates. You, we think we came up with some of the stuff that God's put in our heart. We might not know. There might be somebody in our family line that God prophetically imparted that to. And by, by their prayer, by their life, we were... the we received the grace of that. This is powerful, y'all. It really is. And so we know that, let me jump over to first. I'm just jumping all over the road here. I'm jumping up forward. Here's what happened. Is Samuel, here's what happened one day. 
Let me tell you this. One day there was this battle between Israel and the Philistines, and they were getting Israel was getting defeated by them. So they came up with this thought: We'll take the ark out there, and we will crush their hides. We'll take the ark and we'll crush their hides. Sound like a lot of Christians, okay? We're going to bring the presence of God into it. We're going to dispel it. Guess what happened? They kept the Philistines captured the ark of God. They took it away. The ark of God was the glory of God. It was the presence of God. It was it was it was everything. It was where God was at. That's how where God got met at. And the Philistines beat Israel down. And uh, oh, uh, the two sons of Eli were killed in this battle. They killed them, and they brought news to Eli. And Eli heard it. He was sitting. He said he was a big old huge man, and he fell backwards and broke his neck and died at that moment. And his one of his son's uh, wives were in the middle of having a child. When she heard it, she named the child Ichabod. Y'all have heard that phrase. It's a famous term, Ichabod. You know what Ichabod means? Glory the glory has departed. The glory has departed. That's powerful, isn't it? And there was little old Samuel. I don't know how he was at that point. He was left to take over. He was left to find the glory again. And the people came, after a while, the people, the people of Israel came to Samuel and demanded a king like the other nations had. And Samuel was broken over it. He was absolutely broken over it. I mean, he was destroyed by their request. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. Because that's, that's how he was feeling. Like, I'm, I'm, he's been a great leader, leader for the nation. He's been a, he was being a great judge. And the Lord said, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. So give them what they want. Yeah, give them what they want. And so they selected Saul. And Saul was the people's choice. Do y'all get any application going here? I don't know how you're going to apply it. You can apply it however you want to apply it. But I'm telling you, there's stuff in here that speaks. The people's choice. And so, because it says Saul was head and shoulders above all other people. He was, a, he was a, probably a beautiful man. He was probably, you know, built like a bodybuilder. You know, fights like a mixed martial artist. I mean, this guy had it together in terms of outward appearance. But Saul was a broken person. If you really study his life, he was very broken, just like David was. David was very broken. That's, that's the crazy thing. When you study their lives, you see this parallel. David was just as broken as Saul. But there was a difference. You see, see Saul never got his brokenness dealt with, and he became a terrible king, and he wouldn't obey the Lord, and he lied, and he cheated, and he did all these things. And finally, God just said... Tell Samuel. Samuel went to him and and told him, "You're done, Saul. God has rejected you." And he grabbed. And David went to walk off because because Saul was ate up with this desire for people to don't abandon me, Samuel, because I need you. Because if, as long as you're with me, everybody will know I'm a good guy. He was uh, he was ate up with the fear of man. He wanted to please the people because he was the people's choice, and so he was bound to who chose him. He was bound to who chose him. And Samuel pulled away from him and, and saw and, and his, he ripped 
ripped the, his robe. And that's when uh, Samuel said, the Lord has ripped the kingdom away from you. The Lord has ripped the kingdom away from you, Saul. You're done. God's looking for a man after his heart. That's what God wants. And you're not that man, Saul. And it seems harsh to us. You know, that that happened. It really does. Like, give him another chance. Yeah, he gave him not, God had given him multiple chances. You know, he just never would obey the Lord fully. He would always go halfway or three-quarters of the way. And God just got done, done with him. Because, see, God loved the nation of Israel. And God had this thing in him, and not just for that moment, but for the future King, King Jesus. You hear what I'm telling you? See, all this has, fits into a larger framework. So, so that happened, the ripping away thing happened in 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, let me read this to you. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. You've mourned. See, Saul, Samuel loved Saul. He, he was actually like a spiritual father to him early on. He cared about him. And he said, when, when this happened, uh, Samuel didn't go off rejoicing. He went off mourning. He, he was broken about it. And some, and I don't know, nobody really knows it, but, but some people believe the, the, the events in 1 Samuel 15, and when this verse, when the, okay, let me say it like this. The events in 1 Samuel 15, David was not even born yet when that happened. He didn't exist on the earth. So it wasn't like Samuel, that Saul quit being the king that day or next week in a couple weeks. No, he went on and, and God birthed this king out of this, out of this womb of this woman, which is questionable even who she was. I mean, there's so many questions around David's birth and who he was. Some people think David was actually an illegitimate child. That's a thought. David was illegitimate. That's why he was never brought into the family meetings because he was that guy that dad slipped off and got messed up, but dad was a good guy, so he kept him. That's why a lot of people believe that. A lot of theologians believe that. You know what I'm saying? When you say, when you, y'all, y'all good? Y'all ain't looking, y'all ain't doing right. Is there, oh, I heard somebody say something recently. I think it was a black preacher. He was preaching away, and he said, is there a church in the house? I thought, that's better than, are y'all all right? Is there a church here? Because everybody's just sitting there, okay, all right. What's this all about? So the Lord said, you've mourned long enough. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. And so that's how this thing got going. And so he went... You know, and so I want you to look at this. This is, this is Samuel's greatest moment in his, of his life. This is like the pinnacle of his life right here. This is what God had put him on this earth for. His mama prophesied a king. He got the revelation of that. He got the vision of that. They tried to do it with Saul. It didn't work. But now God is saying, I found this person. I found him. And so Samuel, his destiny was being fulfilled. His whole everything, I want to put you all in this. I want you to put you in your moment. Your finest moment has come on this earth, okay? Your finest moment. Everything you had dreamed of, you knew your destiny was tied up in that very moment, okay? In that very moment, you know this is it. This is why God put me here. 
This is my ultimate assignment. And so what does he say? Verse 2, how can I do that? Y'all get that? How can I do that? Because if Saul finds out, he'll kill me. So listen, lots of times when your greatest moments are going to arrive on earth, okay, the thing that God has put you here for is going to not look so hot. It may look like this is the worst thing ever. There is no way I'm doing this. This is the most politically incorrect thing that ever existed on the earth. Saul's the king. He has all the power. He has all the authority. He has all the backing of the nation. And you want me to go and anoint another guy which basically says to Saul, you're done, you're out, this is the guy? Are are y'all getting this? Put it in your life. Put it in your moment. Your moment of destiny has come. Your moment of your calling has come. Your moment of promotion comes like, I can't do that. Because it's easy to follow the Lord when everybody's congratulating what you're doing, when the crowd is on your side. But what about when you realize the crowd's not going to be on my side if I take this position? The crowd's not going to like me. They're going to dislike me. They're not going to like what I'm fixing to say. You know? I think, you know, that happens to a lot of us, right? I dreamed for 14 years of my life. I waited for my calling to come true. And when it started getting close, I started getting cold feet. Because I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know if this is a good time or not. And I get, had all these reasons, one after the other after the other, something I had prayed for and believed in for 14 years of my life and couldn't wait for it to happen. And all of a sudden, I start seeing it's fixing to happen, and I start getting afraid. I start getting scared. And I think that happens to a lot of people. And I really do. Because when God's, your, when your apex moments comes, when your purpose the door of your purpose opens. It may not look so good. It may not look so inviting. It may not look so glorious. It may look opposite. Yeah, okay. Is there a church in the house? (laughs) I'm just telling y'all the truth. This is the way this stuff works. And so uh, the Lord gave him an answer. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. So basically what the Lord was saying was, hey, listen, go tell, hey, go there. And like, hey, we're going to have church. We're going to worship the Lord. Uh, we're going to invite some people to come. You know, we're going to have this worship time. That way Saul will think, oh, he's just doing his, his Christian thing. He's just doing his, his church thing. We don't, we're not going to worry about what Samuel's doing. He's just doing what he does. And then uh, the Lord said, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Everybody say, anoint for me. Isn't that powerful that God searched for him, but yet God needed somebody to anoint him besides God. He placed it in his hands to anoint this man. we got to have an anointing, man. Uh, we need to anoint another generation, I think. I think that's what God really wants to do, is to anoint another generation to rise up in the earth. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. Because they knew Samuel, even though he was afraid of Saul, they knew he was a bad dude. They, they heard that he had killed the Amorite king when Saul wouldn't kill him, that Samuel wouldn't kill him. 
they so that they don't want to mess with it. And they're like, what? Have we done something wrong? You know, that you're coming to Bethlehem? We're nobody's dumb mean dude. We gotta make sure this guy is not gonna come here and wipe us out. So they knew he was a bad dude. And uh What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice. So, hey, we're going to have church, y'all. That's what I've come for. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Y'all remember that. Everybody remembers this, right? Surely this is the guy. Because, again, he was another good-looking, built, high-level Israelite guy. You know, probably real smart, probably real cool, probably wore the latest fashions. You know, probably the oldest brother that told everybody else what to do, that his daddy trusted implicitly. He had everything going for him. And... But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by, the, by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. You know, the Lord rejects people from leadership positions. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, you know, I just want to give you all a little thought this morning about the prophetic. You know, right now in, a, in the United States of America, certain... Uh, branches of the prophetic move are under a lot of pressure because they have prophesied some stuff, okay? And right now, what they prophesy is not looking so rosy, may I say that. It's not looking so good. Uh, Some have even recanted. One person I I read about this morning recanted his prophecy and then recanted his recant. (laughs) I'm serious. And this guy is not a low-level prophetic person. He is a genuinely prophetic guy. And now he's being accused of being a false prophet. But here's the thing, y'all. Here's what we got to see. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't, I'm not excusing people's prophecy when they really don't have the mind of the Lord on it and they're not really prophesying from the word of the Lord. But I am saying this. Here's a guy, listen, not one of his words fell to the ground. He was the first prophet in the church's eyes after Moses, and he could not see who that person was. He missed it. He missed it. He missed it. And so we have to be real careful about all this kind of prophetic stuff because people, even Samuel, missed it. Samuel the prophet missed it. And it wasn't been for God at that moment. He would have drugged that boy up and slammed him in as being the king and missed the Lord totally. But the Lord wasn't going to allow it. So the Lord said, no, nah, he's not the one, Samuel. Yeah. And so I think we had to be real careful before we start judging all the prophets and kicking the prophetic to the curb. You know, like, well, the prophetic, like, I know why they had this scripture, don't despise the prophetic. Most people know that. If you hang around prophetic stuff alone, you're like, I'm despising it. <laughs> It ain't, and none of that was, you know what I'm saying? But we can't do that, you know? And so we have to be careful, especially at a time like this, because I believe that, here's the thing, God allowed all that drama. Why didn't God just say, go to Jesse's house and kill him to drag David in here because David's the guy? God didn't do that. 
Why didn't he do that? Well, right then he did it because he wanted to teach us. This is a big teaching in the Bible. Don't look in the hour. Look at the heart. God doesn't see the hour. That was the whole reason for all the drama and for allowing Samuel to even miss it. So we, generations, could see something. We could see that we're not supposed to look at outward things. That if we really want to get the mind of the Lord, we're going to have to see beyond that. We're going to have to look into a person's heart and then decide. And God's given us that ability with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see things. Because the eyes of our understanding are enlightened and we can see things. We can see things from God's perspective if we will allow it and not allow our personal feelings and our personal emotions to get in the way and our personal beliefs even. Are y'all, are y'all good? To get in the way because see, okay, I'm just going to say this. We all have these strong feelings about who we think should be the president. Okay, and we think we have these, for, for people who believe Trump should be the president, which I admitted, I voted for Trump, and I caught hell this week for saying that, <laughs> literally. And, and I wanted to tell the people, listen, I'm not giving you hell for voting for Biden, and these were believing people. You have a right to vote for who you want to. I don't want to be ashamed of who, and I want to be able to say what I did without feeling like I'm some kind of jerk for doing it. You know? And I want to give them the same grace and not kick a person to the curb who says they're a sincere believer. And I know some of them, they are very sincere believers. But they tell me, I believe Joe Biden is the person God wants. So I voted that way. Like, I'm good with that. Well, why are you so down on me for voting for Trump? Because I feel kind of opposite. Well, tell you the truth, y'all, I didn't pray about voting for Trump. You know, I really didn't pray about it. I just like the stuff he his positions on stuff. And I voted because of his positions. Not because I thought he was some righteous dude or something like that or he had a good personality. (laughs) I'm just telling you my thinking. But see, what can happen to us as believers, our hearts can get clouded. You know, I could prophesy all day long to Marlon about how wonderful his life's going to be. Why? Because I love Marlon dearly. And I would do anything for Marlon, but I might allow my love to be saying things that the Holy Spirit's not saying. You know, so we had to, if we're going to really speak the word of the Lord, we had to allow the word of the Lord to try us and divide us, right? And if we miss it, oh, I missed it, I'm sorry, and get up and go try it again. Because I could prophesy all this beautiful stuff to Marlon and, uh, and it didn't work out, but Marlon would love me still because he's like, well, you know, he's just, he's just human. You know, he misses it. Okay, I'm not going to talk about that no more. Okay? You know, I'm going to finish up here about this thing about the anointing. So, verse 13. Are y'all all right? Okay, I'm not trying to be political or any of that, but, you know. The church is in the house. The church is in the house. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought. This is verse 13. And anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah, or Ramah, however you say it's Ramah, Bible school, Ramah. That's where he went back to the Bible school out in, out in Oklahoma or wherever that's at, right? That's, that's, yeah, yeah, he started that actually. Uh, people think Kenneth, Pope, not, uh, Kenneth Hagin started, but actually it was Samuel. Actually, Samuel, they believe Samuel actually had a school of prophets. It sort of indicates that he had a school of prophets in Ramah. So, hey, come on. Hagin may have been on to something. 
He may have been tapping into an old well in name only, maybe. But Anyway, so here's the thing about Samuel. If you finish reading the rest of the book, Samuel's role in Israel starts. This is it. This is APEC. It, it, he's not talked about much anymore after that. He, had, you know, he shows up, like I said, he showed up, you know, come back from the dead. You know, he showed up one time when, they was, when Saul was killing a bunch of priests and stuff. You know, but that was pretty much it because his purpose in life was over with. And he was just running. It said he lived to be a, really an old man. And, and he, did, he did, he was like a father to David early on until it got, the pressure got so bad that he couldn't be, you know, by Saul. And so, so that was it for Samuel. He says he, just, he did what the Lord called him to do in life, and he just went out in a blaze of glory. But here's the thing. I want you to get this about David here. David did nothing that day except show up. He, did, he didn't do a thing. It, that's, that's the beginning of David. David was invited. David came. David stood. That's all he did and he got anointed. God chose him. God sent a person to anoint David. And that's the thing that I think is most important about this whole thing. David had nothing to do with any of this. He had nothing to do with being chosen by, the God, by God. The only thing that David did in his life was allow the grace of God, which basically is the influence of God, on his heart. You hear what I'm telling you? That's, that's all he did. And it gave him that entrance. Okay, and God chose him. God loved him. He said, I found this guy, and I'm going to use this guy. And so God anointed him, and David became the absolute greatest king in Israel's history, their natural history. It's when you think about it, half the Psalms were written by David. Half of 75 of the Psalms were written by David. That's incredible. And the other 75 are these, all these different people. Moses wrote a couple, you know, these different worship leaders that were highly influenced by David wrote these a bunch of the Psalms. You know, he took this divided, broken nation and unified it. He took a, and it was all, of, all because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that rested on him his entire life. And Jesus, we even spoke about, not Jesus, but in the book of Revelations, it mentions David two times, two times. And it was because the anointing. That was the whole thing, anoint him. Uh, his mama, Hannah, prophesied the anointed king. Don't mess with the anointed one. That was the whole point of the whole thing, that God was looking for people that he could anoint with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit worked in David's life mightily. And David even said at the end of his life, he even called himself the anointed psalmist or the anointed person. He even declared that. He knew that about himself. He knew the difference between him and Saul was just that anointing. That's what he knew. He knew that he, God had put the Holy Spirit on him and God never removed the Holy Spirit from David. And I'm going to tell you something. If you study David's life, he, he had issues. He had character issues. He treated women badly. He treated women terribly if you really study it. He treated his family terrible. He let stuff go on in his family that was ridiculous. He had one of his sons to rape his stepsister. And David never mentioned her name. He never, it never came out of his mouth in the Bible. He never did a thing about it. He never stepped in. He never stopped it. 
This is the mighty king that Jesus says, the root and offspring of David. And you know, a lot of liberal theologians burn David up. I mean, they cook his height. They cook him. The problem with it is the New Testament doesn't cook him. Are, are you hearing me? God saw that. God all knew all that, and he knew David was a flawed man. But David did get a lot of healing in his life with the stuff he went through. That separated him from Saul. Saul would never allow the Holy Spirit to do the inward work in his life. I feel like I'm not talking to nobody. <laughs> I feel like I'm not talking to the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know. So I think, you know, one of the things for, for all of us is we got to let the Lord work in our, in our hearts. And all of us need to really see that we're broken people. We're all flawed people. There's not one not flawed person in this room. There's not one not broken person in this room. I saw some guys recently. Uh, I was at this concert. And these guys, this was, and they were all Christians there at this concert. It wasn't a Christian concert, but all the people who came, who were invited to this concert, were believers and loved the Lord. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I'm starting to smell cigarettes really strong, like, you know, somebody who's saturated in nicotine. And these guys came walking up, and they were, they were very drunk, okay? And I looked at them, and they were talking bad, and I looked at them, and, says, and I said, that's me, because they were about my age. That's me without Jesus. That's me without the Lord. That's how my life would have gone. That's how I would talk ugly. That's how I would drink and be so drunk and tell nasty jokes. That's me. You see, every one of us in this room, we need to see that about ourselves. And we need to let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do in our life and heal our brokenness, you know, and reveal Himself to us. And that's really what David did. If you, if you study his life, all through his life, God was dealing with him. God was speaking to him. And he was responding to God. He was asking God. And you know, you know, in Psalm 51, one of the things, it reveals his heart beautifully. When he, after he committed absolute adultery with Bathsheba, okay, and had her husband murdered and tried to get away with it, and then he got confronted and then he, became, he came to a place of repentance. And one of the things, you know, he really truly repented. And one of the things he said, which a lot of, again, a lot of liberal people have a hard time with, is take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay? Take not, because David knew the Holy Spirit is the only thing that makes me David. Now, it may not line up with your, your great New Testament theology, but where David was standing, he, because the Lord took the Holy Spirit from Saul. The day David got anointed, it says the Spirit of God left Saul and never returned to the man. And he ends his life, David said this about Saul, he died unanointed. He had no anointing on his life. That's what, that was David's de- declaration over Saul. Not in a negative way because David loved Saul. He cared about him. And so we're people that really need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We need God to anoint our lives big time because that's the thing that's going to get us to where we need to go. That's the thing that's going to help us in spite of us. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? This is important. Y'all, this is important because regardless 
regardless, regardless, regardless of what happens in our country, the only difference that's going to be made in our country is a people who've been anointed. They're the ones who are going to make the true difference. Even if, even if uh, okay, let's just pretend you're Trump people. I'm pretending that. I'm not assuming. Pretending Trump gets elected, that doesn't mean the United States is going to be okay. And I'm telling you, church, we need to get that through our head. We need to get it through our head. Because if we're putting everything on this man to carry us through, then we are failures. We're failures. We fail. We, we, have to, we have to be the church. We have to be spiritual. We have to have this anointing on us. We have to have the power of God on us. That's the answer for the United States of America. I'm going to end this. I'm going to do, uh, you know, there's so many videos uh, out there these days, YouTube prophets, somebody call them. Oh, Lord help, right? But I did see one from a friend who is very prophetic, and I'm like, wow, what's, what's wrong with Rick Joyner? He's not weighing in on this. Right? Rick Joyner, I mean, he's like a father in the prophetic move, you know? And so I saw that Rick Joyner had put out a five-minute video. Ain't that beautiful? Uh, that's what I do on videos, y'all. Look at how long it takes to listen. To <laughs> Too long for me, but five minutes, I can do five. This is what he said. Okay, I'm going to tell you what Rick Joyner said, which I thought was brilliant. I happen to agree with it. That's why I think it's brilliant. (laughs) I'm just saying. You can disagree with it. That's okay. He said uh, two or three days, I can't remember, before the elections started, he started having these visitations from the Lord. And the Lord began to talk to him about stuff. And it went on several days past the election, yet the Lord never said one word to him about the election. Not one word. Finally, he asked the Lord, what about the election? Because everybody wants to know. And this is what he said the Lord told him. If my people will humble themselves and repent and pray, I will heal their land. He didn't say no Biden's in or no Trump's in. He just said the Lord told him, we need to humble ourselves. We need to repent. We need to pray and let the Lord heal our land however God heals. I thought, yeah, man. I'm in, I'm in that because that's God doing something, you know. So, amen. Well, if y'all stand up. <laughs> y'all are kind of a rough crowd to preach to, y'all. It's all in my head. Uh, Lord, help us, right? Well, I know the church has prayed like never before. I believe that with all my heart. And I feel like a lot of people really have repented. So I'm not saying people are not doing that. I'm just saying the Lord wants us to do that. And he wants humility in the church. And he wants us to acknowledge where we're off and where we're in error. And so I want us to pray for the anointing. If you want an anointing of the Lord... I believe God's looking for people who want that. And uh, one of the things Andy said in his song, I love this, is uh, something about the wilderness. He gave us a wilderness so we can know hunger. Isn't that beautiful? That we go through these wilderness to help us connect with what's really important. We go through these difficult times in our life when we can 
connecting with what God really wants for our life versus what we want. That's, that's really what he was saying, and I think that's so powerful, you know, especially when you're not in the wilderness. But when you've gone through something and you realize God used it in your life to open your heart up and you realize that God is trying to do something in you, it's powerful. Amen? How many people would really love for the Lord to really, and I'm not just talking about an anointing for uh, preaching. Well, that's great, or prophecy, or music, whatever your thing is, that's totally awesome. But there is something greater than that. There is an anointing that God wants to put on the body of Christ. It's the anointing of Jesus, okay? Because we're His body, and He wants us to walk in His anointing. And to do what he did and, and, and just make a difference wherever we're at for good in this earth because the earth needs the goodness of the Lord. We, the earth needs the goodness of the Lord because that's what's going to heal our earth. It's going to heal this planet when the body of Christ begins to release the life of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to give. But we need this anointing to do it. So let's ask the Lord to anoint us like he anointed David. Anybody good for that? Let's raise your hand to the Lord if you want to and say, say it in your words. Just say it in your words. Lord, we just want your anointing this morning. Lord, we, we don't know. Uh, Hannah prayed. She said, my mouth is enlarged. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I've rejoiced in something that was special. I rejoiced in something that caused God everything. She felt it. She knew it. And God gave her a mighty victory and answered her prayers. And you know what? She gave that baby away. And I think she had, I think, either four or five other children. God remembered her. He remembered her womb. He remembered her life. He just didn't take something from her. He gave her more than she ever got. And she, He gave her something eternal. Who would ever know that in this year that we're talking about this woman who was just a barren nobody? She's a hero. She's a hero in God's eyes. Lord, we are asking you today that prophecy she had, and I believe that prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. But Lord, we're asking for it to be fulfilled in us too. We're asking you to anoint us with the Holy Spirit, and we're asking you to anoint us with power, Lord. To do your will, Jesus, not our will. And be a healing in this land, Lord. Lord, we just ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. Yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can I, uh, I just wanted to, I remember this song from when I was a kid. And I just wanted to sing it. If, if you can pause the music, this is uh, Hannah's song. <laughs> the way I remember it. So. There is none. Holy as the Lord, for there is none besides Thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. There is none holy as the Lord. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord.
In thy salvation, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our there is none holy as the Lord. Amen. Thank you for coming up and doing that, Christina. As we um, dismiss, let's make sure that we get the um, ministry team up here. If you feel like you have business yet to conduct, we would love to help facilitate that. You know, if we're talking about the anointing and you're like, you know, I just really want to pursue that more, these folks would love to pray for you about that. Um, Dean had a word this morning about restoration. So if that resonates with you at all, the stuff that we were praying for during ministry time, come up and get some. We have folks who would love to contend with you in that area. If you are done, awesome. We love you. Be blessed. Have a great day.